The news on CJOB with Richard Kluge and Julie Buckingham. Global News Podcast on Manitoba's provincial election. We vote September 10th. All right, now, listen up. But we have to get the balance, and we're on track to do that. A conversation with the leader of the Progressive Conservative Party just ahead. Brian Pallister is promising to build 20 new schools over the decade. Included in the list, seven schools already under construction. The key thing here is we have closer to 12,000 students in portables right now than 11. Children deserve a good learning environment, and they don't get that great learning environment in a portable. They deserve to be in a quality school setting. And teachers deserve to have the chance to educate children in a quality learning environment. And that isn't a portable. It's a, it's a good quality school. The NDP and leader Wab Canoe still focused on announcements in the northeast part of the city, focusing on taking back Transcona from the PCs who won that traditionally New Democrat riding back in 2016. So this time, after calling an early election very cynically and campaigning for office once again, Mr. Pallast is promising to build this and to build that, but who can really believe him after what you've seen? from his one term in office. Canoe taking aim at the Pallister government on personal care bed spaces. Right now, there are few actually waiting for those spaces as the government is trying to keep seniors in their own homes longer through home care. The Liberals offering details on improving mental health, especially covering the cost of reducing the two to three year wait lists for psychological assessments and treatments for children. Richard Cluche with you. I co-host the news on 680 CJOB with Julie Buckingham weekdays from 4 until 7. The progressive conservative leader Brian Pallister joined us at Portage in Maine this week. We talked about crime and safety, taxes, health care, beginning with that $2 billion promise on health care spending fronted by a new emergency room for St. Boniface Hospital. Now, we asked whether that will include a STARS helicopter pad at St. B to save valuable minutes when transporting rural Manitoba patients in need of life-saving heart procedures. It started actually with a recommendation, uh, series of recommendations that were given to the previous government. They didn't act on them. We're acting on them, and it's starting to work. But it, I thank all the frontline workers because it takes patience to... Well, to uh, it's going to take change. two or three years. It takes to get this all it done. takes time to make these kinds of changes. But the uh, the end goal here will be what's happening at Vic, at Victoria. We've got 25 percent shorter wait times right now, with over 30 percent increased volume in patient care. So we're c- t- caring for more people, but it's taking way less time, and that's good. And what's why is that happening? Because the the major emergent cases aren't stopping there blocking the flow of patients and then being retransported over to St. B. Grace Health Sciences Centre. This is what's happening in Manitoba and the Canadian Institute of Health, Health Information has said we're the only province making headway on reducing our weights. So it's, it's positive and there are shorter weights coming for Concordia Seven Oaks too based on the experience at Vic. But there's more investment needed and we've made the largest investment. This year's budget is $414 million over anything the NDP ever put in health care. This myth about cuts is just a myth. You have to put more money into the healthcare system and you have to do it more intelligently because the population is growing in Manitoba and we're aging too. The baby boomer cohort needs care. So more volume on knees, hips, cataracts is really, it's got to be done and we can't have people waiting in pain for 
excessive lengths of time like was happening. So we're shortening the waits, we're investing more, and we made that commitment today. It's a $2 billion investment. It's a very, very most significant commitment in Manitoba history, but I submit to Manitobans it's necessary that we invest in health Have you made the decision on the helipad? No, we have not yet, and I think it's premature to get into that. We are investing, of course, in strengthening the ER at St. B, and that's a multi-million dollar investment and IT, that has to and, happen. And, and IT is very important. Right on. To use the VIC as an example, they're still using paper charting yeah. and elements of the VIC. So you yeah. need to get the system kicking and, you know and screaming into the 1990s and then into 2020. Well, it's a great point, Richard. And, you know, frontline people have got frontline nurses in my family i think most families in manitoba are like ours you know we got private sector people we got public sector people but the nurses that i have interfaced with are telling me we want to work in a system that works for the patient and right and, and up till now it's been too slow it hasn't been responsive enough and too many people are spending too much time at the top so we've trimmed there and more needs to be done there and too many people are spending too much time with old archaic ways of doing administration most other uh, provinces have moved ahead on this we need to do the same we uh, trim for example 15 percent on management as you know at the top already and move those resources to front line invested uh, about six and a half million more in uh, doing more knees hips cataracts this past year and got lots of people the care they needed and a lot sooner that's my goal we're to hearing see that a, continue. we're hearing a lot from nurses saying that they're putting in massive amounts of overtime yeah. you did a renovation at st b already some people may say if you were going to do this massive brand new er why did we spend the millions to do this temporary fix up why not just announce this from the get-go and get them the, the proper workflow that's needed to get yeah. people through more quickly. Sure, it's a, it's a fair observation. I think you know that there was a lot of preparatory reno, renovation work that had to be done. It had been put off for years. The NDP were in for 17 years and they didn't get this job done. And so that interim couldn't wait. But we build on that, right? That's the foundation. When I say repairing the foundation, that's what I mean. We're repairing the foundation. Now what we build on it is really critical. Other provinces on healthcare have moved ahead of us. And you know this with the wait times. That's one gauge and there are many others but they're moving ahead of us because they're consolidating key supersized emergency rooms in Vancouver Edmonton Calgary Toronto years ago and they're shortening their wait times at the urgent care centers around the, the their cities this is exactly what we're doing it's not easy change is hard if change was easy the NDP would have done it a long time ago and they didn't do it so we're tackling a mess and we're cleaning it up and we're asking Manitobans to be patient and I know that's a hard thing for all of us to be but I also know it's worth it because in the end, we're going to have, we are the most improved on wait times. And I believe we can really improve on reducing wait times as we move forward. I'm a rural Manitoban. I'm from a small community, 450 people that are concerned about what will happen at, for example, Rivers or Minidosa hospitals or the Steinbach hospital or the Selkirk hospital. Do you have a solid plan for what's going to happen in terms of rural health care? And are people going to know that before the September 10th vote? I think they'll know a lot of it. And I think that uh, the rural Manitoba care uh, is a real key. Obviously, as you know, I grew up southwest of Porters La Prairie, and we've had experiences, many of us in rural Manitoba have had firsthand experiences with accidents, injury uh, in our farms, in our communities. Uh, that's why we've already beefed up the paramedics significantly, right? A major investment, new ambulances, because that had to be done, and much more has to be done in terms of access to care. The quality of life in rural Manitoba is wonderful, as it is across the province, and it's critical that we make sure that 
uh, access to health care is there for people because we want to attract investment and families won't go to a community they're afraid they're not going to get good quality health care and good schools too. Question. We asked Don Leach of the Business Council of Manitoba and Evelyn Jacks of the Knowledge Bureau about the tax gap between Manitoba and Saskatchewan. We do have very, very high tax rates here, not just at the top level. When you're a young biotech graduate and you have two job offers and one is in one of the long-standing Manitoba firms and you can work in Winnipeg or you can be recruited into Saskatoon and you realize that at 68000 in Manitoba, you're in the highest tax bracket and it's well over 100000 in Saskatchewan. So you can put that extra money in your pocket. Manitobans are paying more taxes than we pay in Saskatchewan, Alberta, by several thousands of dollars. So it's a very big deal. So we made some progress, but our tax climate is not as competitive as it needs to be. But my first priority is to get more money back on the kitchen tables of families that are struggling. And we have over half our families have less than $200 at the end of the month to spend in discretionary income. So the two major things that create jobs in an economy frankly number one is discretionary income and number two is attracting private sector capital to be invested we've led the country the last two years in private sector capital investment now we need to make sure that families that are struggling have a little more money at the end of the month after they pay their bills and that's where these kinds of tax reductions they're not as significant as I'd like to do but we have to get to balance and we're on track to do that when we get to balance we'll be stronger all of us financially and when we won't be writing checks on the credit cards of our kids anymore and that's really important to the long-term viability of our province to keep young people here it's got to be cool you've got to have a whole lot to offer yeah. but in education you have to prepare students for the jobs of tomorrow yeah. and that according to the business council is where we're lagging yep absolutely i've talked to don leach about this very thing and i'm very excited to see improvements here we started by quintupling the amount of money that we put into scholarships bursaries to help kids well frankly like i was like a lot of manitoba kids where i was the oldest in our family didn't have a lot of money i couldn't have got through university in the time frame i did without a scholarship frankly i i, I couldn't have and lots of manitoba families have young kids that need that help so we've started on that but matching those scholarships and bursaries up to skills that can that a, a young young person can come out of university or community college and go right into the workforce with a career that they'll love that's the key and that's where we want to go in this next term Make my way downtown walking fast faces paths and I'm homebound downtown led by people like Mark Chipman who want to make a difference in this downtown, they have said, you know what, we need a, a real uh, multi-pronged approach to downtown safety. Yeah. And they've been looking at you to be a partner in that. Yeah. Is that something that you would do, hands on deck, all hands on deck, to help in that downtown safety strategy? Absolutely. Right I love downtown Winnipeg, and I know there's stresses and pressures here. We all do. Come on. But the fact of the matter is, attracting people to the core area and seeing the, you know, the, the, Construction crane is no longer an endangered species in Manitoba. We're seeing building happening here. We're seeing great opportunities. It's a quality of life, place to live in, in right in downtown Winnipeg. We've got to protect the safety of the people who live here better than we have. Mark and I have talked about this. There, there needs to be better coordination, and we released a, something of a plan in respect of our meth strategy that relates to public safety. But it doesn't just relate to meth strategy. It relates to quality of life for people who live here, people who want to come here. Somebody wants to come with their kids and go to a Gold Eyes game or a Jets game. They want to feel safe and secure. They deserve to feel safe and secure. And there's ways that Minneapolis, for example, has advanced the way they cooperate with their security and their security cameras and so on, so that there's an interlocking strategy to make sure that people are safe from the time they leave the, the shop 
or the arena and get to their parking lot and get to their car. And that's the kind of thing we can do a better job of. And I appreciate people like Mark Chippen um, demonstrating his concern. He's a great citizen, and we have many who are really dedicated to making Winnipeg better and across the province, too. And we want people to be safe and secure, but the other side of that is is the meth crisis and, and people that tend to to congregate in downtowns. And I, I don't think that anyone wants to see them pushed out no. into the suburbs. So you have to have a concrete plan of keeping people safe, but at the same time balancing that with the needs of people who are struggling and do need help. Big time, big time. And that's where we, we uh, developed, a, I think, with a real good partnership discussion with the city, with experts, with the feds, uh, a, a three-pronged strategy that involves education for our young people to make sure that they don't make the wrong decisions, right? But also in respect of drug use, but also to help those who are addicted and to protect those who aren't because it's, an addict doesn't suffer by themselves. They have others who feel the same pain and suffer too with them, mums, dads, brothers, sisters. It's, it's, we, we can't stigmatize these people who are addicted, but we can't fail to remember that there are many others too who need to be protected and who need to be safe in their own communities as well. And we've got a good plan for that, and I'm excited to enact it. Brian Pallister, leader of the PCs. We will talk with all the party leaders in the weeks ahead. Decision Manitoba 2019, the podcast. As the sun sets slowly in the west, we bid you a fond farewell. The News on CJOB with Richard Cloutier and Julie Buckingham.